Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. This Bike Life podcast is brought to you by bikeflights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Whether you're shipping for a trip or after a sale, whatever your shipping needs, Bike Flights makes it easy. Take advantage of Bike Flights convenient residential pickups and they'll come and get your shipment directly from your home or wherever you're staying. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Now on to the show. Welcome back to the Bike Life Podcast and Happy New Year to everyone, regardless of where you are at this time and place. Today we have a long-term cyclist and novice cycle tourer who toured with his partner who rode a bike for the first time on their journey across Canada and the United States. He is currently a host in Bristol and an advocate for warm showers. So thank you, Chris, for joining the show. Hi, thanks very much for inviting me on, Tavali. It's nice to it's nice to be chatting with you when we had our first discussion and planned to share a little bit about your journey. It was really delightful to hear um, the shares that you have and the stories that you've experienced along the road. And so thank you for coming and sharing now, because we know that now is more important than ever for us to keep our community connected. Definitely, definitely. With the restrictions that everyone has at the moment, it's great to be able to come on and actually talk about this, even if we can't all do it. Yeah, exactly. And I know that over the holidays, you had the chance to 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 do a short visit, a vacation, not a, a, a bike tour, but a vacation. And um, it's good. It's good for us to still find ways to f- sink back into some type of normalcy after a couple of years. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So let's start with the fact that you are um, a long-term cyclist. Like, tell us about your cycling history before you started touring. So I I became addicted to cycling in the early 1990s with mountain biking. Uh, I'm I'm from a place in southwest England called Plymouth, uh, which is which is really blessed to have um, an area of countryside called Dartmoor National Park, and the the mountain biking there is just absolutely exceptional. So I was I was I was hooked on mountain biking from quite an early age, and when I moved to London um, in 2002, I I ditched uh, the mountain bike in, in favor of a road bike and really started really becoming obsessed with long-term, uh, long-distance uh, endurance cycling all around the countryside of Essex, Surrey, Kent, uh, wherever I could go, really. And and that was that was what got me hooked um, in, in cycling long before I, I even thought about touring on a bike. So those longer distances that you were doing at the time, were they uh, just day trips or were they, did you do overnight stays, whatever that looked like? So I was doing, I was doing mainly day trips of, of, mm. of anything from 50, 100 or 100 plus miles. I would occasionally go and use um, the cycling to go and visit friends as well. So I would go out to, um, on, on one occasion, I had a friend who worked in Formula One and I rode up to Silverstone Race Circuit and, and we stayed in his we stayed in his trailer at, at the at the race circuit there, which was pretty exciting. And then I cycled back mm-hmm. the next day, so I would um, 
I, I would do I would do long distance days or or overnighters. Ah, I see. So what what gave you the bug to want to turn it into a longer term tour? So it was it was a conversation in a pub with my friend Ross, who was trying to convince me to go on a long term overland adventure in South America, and I initially completely uh, just. The idea was like alien to me as someone in sort of in a stable career job, but it really something about the idea struck me, and and I started getting convinced that I was going to throw it all in and um, do some long term travelling. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought that isn't what I want to do, and and cycling is is my real passion. And then I read a book um, at another friend's house that that had details about the um, Adventure Cycling Association specific coast route, and I started looking at it, and I just became obsessed with the um, interactive map on their website with all the routes all over the states, and I started piecing together uh, some of their routes: the Pacific Coast, the Southern Tier, and the Atlantic Coast, and. I'd been to Canada a few times before to visit a friend in Toronto. And then I had the idea of um, going up along the north through Canada and basically doing a loop of North America, taking in both um, taking in both the US and, and Canada. And it just and it just bloomed from there and just and just became something that I researched the life out of and um, eventually ended up doing. So I we're here today. How long was that planning period of researching? Well, I'm a. I think if listening to your podcast and reading books about cycle tours is anything to go by, I'm quite different to most cycle tours. I'm not a, by nature, a particularly spontaneous person who can just jump on a bike and pedal off into the sunset. And so I actually spent three years um, planning the trip from obsessing about every detail of, of the bike I was going to use and the equipment I needed to looking into all the logistics of visas and and how I was going to get my bike there, etc. And how long it was going to take me based on average miles I thought I'd do a day. So I actually spent, like I say, about three years planning it. Mm. And thank you for sharing that because everyone is different in terms of how they plan and what their expectations are. And not everybody wants to um, just be fluid and go where the wind takes them. And so I appreciate that you're sharing for, for you, planning was important. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, I thought I had everything um, planned and, and sort of settled up to the nth degree. And then about a year before I was due to go, um, there was a spanner thrown in the works when I when I went on a holiday and met my girlfriend, Tease, in Mexico. And I remember um, telling her all about the about the trip that I was about to undertake. And her exact words were, that sounds awesome. Good luck with that. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and that was like a year before you were planning to leave? That was about a year before I was planning to go. And, okay. Um, things started getting a bit serious between us and a few months after we met she moved over from from Mexico where she was to to London and I just had to bring it up with her again quite soon after and sort of say look I am serious about this trip why don't you join me um now Tisa's is from the Netherlands originally so she's very used to cycling but never with gears she'd only ever ridden mm. those um what they call opal feats, which translates to granny bike, um, the mm. sit up and beg. Um, 
brakeless, gearless <laughs> time bikes. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had, didn't even know what cycling up a hill meant, let alone changing gears. But I convinced her, um, trained her up, and sort of cycle longer and longer distances, adding weight to the bike, uh, going up hills, and um, yeah, made it happen. And so when you left for this North American loop that you had planned, that was her first cycle tour. That was her and my first cycle tour. Yeah. So whilst I, I was used to doing sort of long distance rides, day rides mainly, um, we, a part of the training, we, we did a few overnight adventures. So we, we went, um, we actually cycled up to the UK Cycle Touring Festival up in the north of England over a few days. And we did a few, um, we cycled to Amsterdam via the, the ferry uh, that goes from near London. Uh, mm. So we did a few overnighters in preparation for the big trip, but nothing like what we're about to undertake, spending a year um, riding around North America. So you were gone for a year in total, and were you able to work while you were touring, or did you take a sabbatical? No, we made a um, conscious decision to um, to take a sabbatical um, as part of my sort of three years of planning I actually um, quit my job um, quite soon after I, I decided I wanted to go away and set up as a self-employed um, consultant and that enabled me then to, to kind of save up for the trip but also mm. I did I I, I didn't have to really give anything in because I just I just um, sort of worked up until the point of going and then and then set off knowing that I, I'd come back and start back up again as a self-employed. Mm. Beautiful. So you did you definitely put a lot of effort and time in the the planning stages to ensure that you had the spaciousness to take a year to tour. Yeah, for me that was that was quite important. And again, I know that's quite different to many people. Um, but the mm-hmm. thought of doing something spontaneously that involves doing, being away for that long um, isn't something I'm that keen on. Yeah, I understand. And so what was it, you know, tell us, walk us through the journey of what it was like to arrive in North America and get started. Well, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, we started in Toronto where I've got a good friend and um, so, so we acclimatized for a few days. And then from Toronto, um, we we went up um, into Ontario um, we dipped the back down into we dipped into the states um, to go south of Lake Superior because um, we didn't fancy the Trans Canada Highway, uh, which was the only route around the top. And we went through um, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then we came back into um, Ontario uh, on the other side of Lake Superior. And um, and from there, it was really a straight line across across the prairies, uh, which people had. We const- people constantly telling us we were going the wrong way um, because we were going mm. um, westbound where the prevailing winds against us. But um, that was our route, <laughs> so mm. that, that, that wasn't that, that. That was fine. And then, um, yep, we went over the Rockies, uh, which again, for Tease, having never cycled really uphill or with gears, was was something that was absolutely um, you know incredible achievement to to go up over the uh, over the Rocky Mountains with fully loaded uh, touring bike. Mm. There must have been a lot of lessons along the way that 
became prevalent in not just the tour itself, but I'm sure in your relationship and in the, uh, you know, actual experience of doing this together. Absolutely. I mean, when you, but by the time we went away, we'd known each other for a little over a year. And um, by the time we came back, it felt like we'd known each other for 10 years. I mean, there's, mm. there's absolutely no hiding um, when you're living out of a tent um, for, for a year and when you're cycling uh, long days in the saddle every day. And uh, yeah, you, you definitely learn a lot about each other. I'm sure I can imagine. And so tell us a little bit about how you recorded the journey, because I know that you have also since then, um, you have, you have written a book. Yeah. So at the time on the journey, we were making Facebook posts, Instagram posts, and, um, we, we had a, we had a website at the time where we were putting up um, the odd blog here and there. But other than that, I was, um, being the sort of planner I am, I, I was recording at the end of, uh, of every day the sort of distance we we'd gone, where we'd uh, started, ended, who we'd stayed with, if we stayed with hosts, or, or um, that that kind of thing, and um, and just took lots of photos. And so when I decided to to write a book, it was really drawing on those photos and uh, and the stories that we'd we'd recorded and and the memories that we had with um, I mean the most memorable things for us were the hosts and the people, the people mm. we met. We we met some absolutely incredible people that we're still in contact with today and, and we're still friends with. That sounds like it was a very creative endeavor as part of how you're expressing the journey. Yeah, definitely. I mean the one of the other things for me as a Brit, um, we're not the most, we're not generally the most open-minded and, and, and we're quite a cynical um, sort of uh, uh, country. And, and, and so Tease had always um, sort of used um, uh, couch surfing and, and, and things like that and, and always being very open with people. And, and so she would just be talking to strangers the whole time when, when we were away. And it was a real, for me, it was the biggest sort of um, uh, personal development I, I had on, 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 on the trip. It wasn't the cycling itself. I was, the cycling for me was, was actually, um, it, it, it wasn't here or there. There were obviously like hard bits, but um, I, I was physically, it wasn't a, a, such a challenge for me. But the, the meeting all the different people and, and sort of opening myself up to new experiences with different people, and um, being willing to have those conversations was a real game changer. Mm. How is that? How is that impacting you now? To know that so much of your, um, you know, your your field expanded in communication and interacting with other humans in a more <laughs> sounds like it in a more extroverted way than might be your comfort zone. Yeah, well, it, it's it's exactly that. Um, like you put it, um, just sort of being more. Uh, being willing to go out of your comfort zone, and and for me, for me, that's um, that 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 was something that was a real life life experience and and, and a real sort of um, lesson that that I learned from the trip is getting out of my own comfort zone, whether it be, uh, you know, it in in my case, um, being being talking, being sort of more open to, to new experiences with strangers, um, and. and 
just just even using warm showers on our trip took us took us three months. I mean, we, we cycled all the way from Toronto to, to Florida, uh, sorry, um, to California before we before we even stayed at our first warm showers host because I was adamant that we were going to do it all our own way under our own steam, um, whether it was camping or or staying in the old motel here and there. That sounds like that was a profound change for you. So I'm curious, how was this? And, you know, I'm not asking you to speak for her, but obviously you're aware of how this experience impacted your girlfriend. What was it like for her while you were, you know, going through your own periods of growth? You know, what were the areas of growth for her? Um, Well, certainly the the cycling itself um, was a challenge. Um, We went Mm. through some very very challenging weather um throughout the trip and so cycling in any weather uh, whether it be um heat waves in michigan to tornadoes in manitoba to an entire month of rain on the west coast of the states um it, we're including a typhoon um in the, the being able to to kind of put up with 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 that and and cycle through it no matter what, um, because we had no choice. When I mean, we couldn't just stop wherever we wanted to, um, because w- what would we do? <laughs> Where would we go? Uh, mm. so, so that I think fatigue was was a, was a real sort of development. Do you think the word resiliency would be applicable? Oh, definitely. I mean. Tisa's always been a resilient um, person, but um, resilient in in kind of the the, the weather and, and and the kind of distance mm-hmm. that that we it's were cycling different. is is yeah. it is very very different. Um, yeah, definitely. Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009, and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So when was this? What year did you make this tour across the North America? So it was, we started in July 2016 and we finished up um, in Newfoundland in July 2017, which was a very, very interesting year to be in the States. Um given the political climate at the time. Uh, so we were there for the, um, the, both the, um, the primaries through to the elections, through to the mm. uh, first 100 days um, of, of Donald Trump. And, and th- that, that whole political climate, uh, let alone the fact that Brexit had just happened um, in the UK, mm. which meant that the pound had nosedived. And for us, there was lots of challenges with, um, even how Tees was going to get back into the UK when we came back, being being Dutch, and uh, so there, there were lots of things going on at that at that time that made the added extra dimensions to the trip. 
Mm-hmm. And so when you went back, what was integration like? Was there a period of time that you had to really like acclimatize being back or was it, I mean, it, there was a lot going on. That was a, that's a big year for you to be not in your home and, you know, coming back into your home after being gone for a year, that's not a small time period to be gone. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the UK was a very, very different place. Um, when, when we came back, it had gone, um, Brexit had allowed the country to, to kind of voice a lot of populist politics that were very, very uh, unsavory, and, um, and 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 there was lots of kind of open um, reticence to, to other countries, and and and, um, and it, it was a it was a real ugly time um, to, to be honest, which is only just really um, kind of gone. Uh, Really, I mean, it's still there's still bubbling under the surface, but it it, it, it was a very it was a very nasty period. Mm. And so, when you got home, were you able to, um, you know, have some I guess deep reflections on your journey and and how are things with this relationship now? That's obviously many years into it, but it's really interesting to know that you met just prior to you going on this journey. And she came with you. And so, you know, I'm interested on the, the after journey, you know, the reflection of the two of you after. Well, it's been absolutely great. I mean, we both, for us, the trip was was sensational. I mean, we we met so many absolutely incredible people from, I mean, we stayed with, we stayed with Mounties, we stayed with, um, we stayed with an, an opera singer, a jewelry maker, a pilot, um, and and people treated us to the most incredible, incredible excursions and, and, and accommodation. And we we have all those stories that that we that we share and, and and kind of memories that we share together. And so it didn't take long uh, when we came back to start planning our next our next trip because we wanted all mm-hmm. those experiences again. And so we we. We, we were actually planning to go away in January 2021. Uh, it was, was going to be our next big um, cycle tour. But, you know, COVID um, mm. kind of put a pause to that. And so we, we've we've had our own adventures by moving around the UK quite a lot and, mm. um, and, and generally exploring the, the countryside here wherever we can. Mm. And so tell us about the book. Tell us more about uh, Wheels of Fortune. How did it come together? When was it published? How can people find it? So, um, like I say, in January 2021, we were due to we were due to um, start our, our our next big um, sort of worldwide uh, tour, and and we couldn't because um, of COVID, and, and it was really quite depressing. And so, and we were in lockdown in the UK uh, at, at that point, and. I I sort of decided that I was going to start writing the book that we always talked about um, writing in, when we came back from from the trip, um, but didn't because life kind of got hold of us and, and got in the way of everything. And we decided that the book was going to focus on the kind of people that we met and the stories that, that we have from the encounters and, and the sort of gratitude we had towards those, hence the title Wheels of Fortune. And... So there's a lot in the book about all the warm showers hosts. Um, we stayed with 70 
um, warm showers hosts. Yes, and that's um, seven zero seventy. Seven zero yeah, seventy in, in nine, yeah. nine months. Yeah, and amazing. So so many great stories, and, and and they're all in the book. And then, you know, with with the gratitude we had for those, we decided that the the um, any all the sort of profits from the book go to charity, and um, and the book was published in November um, of, of last year, so it's only just really come out. I'm excited to put the link in the show notes so people can check it out. Tell us about where where the profits are being um, directed to. So all the profits on the book are going to World Bicycle Relief, which is a charity that supports um, sort of the, the mobilisation of people in developing countries on on bicycles. So they, they've um, they've teamed up with a, a supplier of bikes to produce something called the Buffalo Bike, which is a very very robust kind of heavy utilitarian bike that enables people to either. Uh, get to school or go to the place of work or seek medical um, uh, attention and 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 yeah that's 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 what they do amazing we'll drop that link in the show notes for people to check it out as well so from your perspective of someone that is a planner, uh, I know that there are a lot of listeners and a lot of members of our community who also are planners and they, they want to have, you know, maybe a more firm grasp on putting together a plan. How would you suggest people get started? If that's, if that's super important to them, what recommendations do you have? I think having, a, having the route, I think the route is the, the single most important um, thing i mean what once once you know where you want to go um you can um you know you can determine um when the best time is to start um for us um we started well we had no choice but to start in july um so because of that we started in toronto because it meant we had summer across the top in canada Mm -hmm. and winter across the bottom in, in 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 the desert where we didn't want to experience the heat so um Weather and, and weather was our biggest lesson that that we learned. Although you do get the odd ex, kind of extreme, unexpected event, um, knowing the seasons is incredibly important because it can. Although you can sort of power through um, most weather, it, it's not always enjoyable. And let's face it, the point of this is is to have a to have a great time. So think about where you want to go. Think about. Therefore, what the best time is is to go. Think about how much it's going to cost you. Set yourself a budget, and then think about what your what your daily, um, your likely daily spending will be. What any transport costs you'll have, and um, and what sort of equipment you'll need. Mm. That's really good advice. Thank you. I I like the idea that you're sharing the perspective from creating a good plan, putting a good plan together, especially on the route and the the seasons so you can uh, have a good experience, right? So you're feeling joy, even amongst the times that's challenging that there's still joy. Um, Okay. So my second question for you is since you've stayed with 70 hosts and you're also a host now, (laughs) which is, you know, different, different experiences, but being on both sides of that exchange, what do you think are the most important things that a host should have in their profile for touring cyclists to know about them so they can select if they would be a good fit? I think it's really important that you, that as a host, you're very clear about any expectations you have with um, with, with tourers. So we, um, like, as hosts ourselves, for example, we 
we specify in our profile that we can't take uh, requests to say a long time in advance because we go on spontaneous adventures ourselves. So there's no point saying, oh, can we stay with you in April? Because <laughs> yeah. we, we don't know. Um, set expectations about kind of how how long people are, are willing to stay to stay with you. Um, we, we would often um, uh, stay with people for more than one night um, because it was nice to have a rest day um, amongst a, a sort of friendly host. And um, often hosts would, would, would say that that was okay in their profile. So... Um, it didn't feel awkward asking them if we could stay for two nights. Um, we, as a guest, um, we, we, Tease and I both have um, lots and lots of tattoos, and we're not married. Um, so, so we made it clear in 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 our request to people um, that we that we're an unmarried um, couple. Um, we made sure our profile picture um, didn't lead to any surprises when we turned up um and we always turned up with some kind of gift um that 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 would that would that would re- in some small way repay um our hosts um if we if we stayed more than one night we would try and cook for the host on 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 the second night uh which which was always um kind of warmly received um we're not the best cooks in the world, but we, we put together something for our, for our host and it was just nice to share that experience again with, with the host seeing that they'd um, gone out of their way to put us up. Mm. That's wonderful sharing. Thank you for that. And I really like, um, I really like the suggestion of making sure that your profile is clear on what's available. And, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show and in our newsletters and on our site, of course, is, you know, making sure that, you know, your preferences as a host or a guest is really explicitly outlined. And the fact that you put effort into making sure that there were no surprises, I'm sure also eased communication. And as someone who has many tattoos herself, I am aware that, you know, you and I are both right now having this conversation in long sleeve shirts for me because it's cold. And, but yet when people see you for the first time and you have like sleeves of tattoos, it does in, in some, in some parts of the world specifically, it does create, um, a little bit of wonder. And so I like that you are setting expectations clearly from the beginning. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that, um, I mean, we, we would often, as well as staying in warm showers, hosts, we would often have spontaneous chats with people, um, in, 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 in the street. And we ended up having some, amazing experiences um staying with um mennonites and and um very elderly couples on on, in nova scotia and you know all sorts of wonderful experiences but we that always felt fine because we were there at the time and, and and we'd met those people and they could see what we were about and there was never any surprise there but when you're meeting someone online um there's there's always the possibility that they don't know what's going to turn up. So, yeah, don't 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 try and hide anything. Be open, both as a guest and a host. And so, if there's something you're not comfortable with, then say so. Um, we stayed with a um, with a gay couple in um, Newfoundland, and and they made sure that they put that on their on their profile. Um, and they had an explicit statement saying, if you're not comfortable with this. Um, you know, just don't send us a request and yeah that, that obviously we're not so that that was um but, but we understood and appreciated why they did that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is important to have transparency. And that's, that's, again, really helpful information. Thank you for sharing that. So what's next? So you didn't get to tour in 2021. What is, what's on the agenda when you get to tour again? So our plan um, was, to, was to start in Thailand and um, cycle um, through Thailand um, down to Cambodia um, through Laos and um, Vietnam and then fly over to Japan and um, arrive for cherry blossom season. Mm. Um, cycle the length for Japan and then fly back from Hokkaido, uh, which is the island uh, in the very north, to the UK, um, pick up our camper van and uh, drive to uh, Scandinavia. And from um, Helsinki, uh, Tease was going to drive the camper van and I was going to cycle um, alongside her. I had this harebrained idea that I really wanted to recreate all of the stages of all the previous um, Arctic tours, which is Norway's mm. equivalent, essentially, of the Tour de France. But mm. given that it's Norway, that they only generally have three or four stages, so it would have been um, fairly easy to do. And although that seems like a very strange combination of countries, the reason we, we planned that was because it actually it meant we got the best weather um, in in all of the countries at, at, the, at the points that we intended to be there. So um, that's kind of still um, what we want to do. Um, we don't know what year that'll be. Um, probably likely at least two years away now. But um, mm. in the meantime, I'm sure we'll go on lots of um, little adventures wherever we can. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Chris, and sharing your story and sharing your experiences. You know, we know that it's important for us to remain connected. And I I like the perspective that you're bringing forward of a different way of planning your trip and, and being prepared that, you know, works for you. And I know that there are lots of um, bike tours who are the same. And also sharing your knowledge on hosting and guesting is really helpful. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been It's been great. I would love for us to plan to chat again after your next tour. That sounds like a very interesting combination of places to be. <laughs> Definitely. There'll certainly be lots of language challenges and uh, yes. yeah, all sorts. Yeah. Yes. We, we look forward to remaining in touch. So thank you again for joining us. And for those of you that are listening, sharing is caring. If you loved the show and you know someone that would enjoy listening to it, please do share and your ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And don't forget to go to the show notes and check out the nonprofit that Wheels of Fortune is supporting. And we will put the link on how to find Chris's book, Wheels of Fortune, in the show notes. Thank you. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. This episode of Bike Life Podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Check out their boxes from the small to the large, which is suited for any type of bicycle, whether it's a children's bike, medium-sized bike, fully assembled bike, e-bike, and any other type of gear that you have. Go to BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers in order to check out the boxes and book your next shipment. 
Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.